0: You're listening to Soul Talk, conversations with fascinating people on their relationship with spirituality. I'm your host, Holly Azapati. I am so excited to have this beautiful woman chatting with me today. Guys, we are going to be chatting to none other than Lily Baker. And Lily, what I love about where this conversation is going to go, you obviously have a story that inspires me and that I know will inspire so many listeners. But before we dive into that, One of our first encounters, you mentioned in a group call that you've been quite sceptical when it comes to things, spirituality, the moon, planets, and I love having conversations with sceptics. And in fact, I feel you're going to be the only one who's ever admitted to scepticism on this podcast. Can we talk a little bit about that before Uh, we dive into everything else? Absolutely. So, um, Skeptic in the most
1: respectful meaning of the word. So for me, I'm very open, but also incredibly logical, very pragmatic, very, um, you know, one plus one has to equal two for me. So I've got a very logical Mm. mind. And as you know, I am Taurus with a rising Taurus. So double Taurus in the house. (laughs) Yeah, look out. And do you know what? I am every single part of that star sign um so when Tegan said to me look I really feel like you need to heal yourself with your mind I'm like I just don't understand that I don't get that like I need to go for a fifth surgery I need someone to um and obviously we can get into what that all means but for me I just had no idea about any of your work or um kind of even the, the possibility of what um is you know is out there and um, for me the skeptic has become the um, the converted. So well, still on the journey, still on the journey, but there's a lot of learnings and a very quick learning curve over the past seven weeks, which I'm so, so glad that I ventured on. But yeah, I did start as a skeptic, have to say. I love this.
0: And I've got to say mm. that your pragmatism and logical mind is something that's gotten you to a very successful point in your life. So I can understand why that's something that you kind of lead by and fall back on, because it's gotten you to where you are today yeah so can you explain to the listeners you mentioned that tegan martin uh former miss universe australia is one of your clients what is it that you do my love and how has pragmatism helped you in that
1: let's try and do the uh short one minute synopsis which if I could <laughs> bang on about this all day long so i am the very proud um co-founder and owner of lmb management which is a talent and communications agency based down in Melbourne, but we also have an office up in Sydney. Um, mm. So we represent talent and um, brands from a whole different, oh sorry, a whole scope of, um, of life, from sportsmen to models to TV personalities to stylists, photographers, hair-microbatists, et cetera, et cetera, et um, I started the agency when I was 22 with my mum and obviously... Wow. 22, what you do have is absolute raw, naive passion. But often what you don't have is a whole heap of knowledge. So Mm. um, that's something that my beautiful mum was able to bring and she's absolutely incredible. But um, for me, there was a lot to sort of prove and, um, you know, you obviously don't have the straight credit or respect of time. Therefore, I needed to gain respect in a different way. And for me, that was, you know, really stepping outside the mold and challenging the way the industry worked. And I did working in modeling agency up in Sydney for four years at Mm. Vivian's, which was amazing. And, um, you know, I learned so much about the industry, but I also learned so much about the inefficiencies and the areas of growth that the industry really had. So when we did, um, start the agency, it was all of those things. And, um, sort of my logical mind not understanding why they were done a certain way that really got yeah. us to where we are today and thank god thank god I kind of followed that instinct
0: and what is it about talent management that lights you up and inspires you because truly Lily you're you're one of the few people that I chat and in a job that they just live and breathe and, and love I to love death it, so
1: yeah, tell me I about it. it. Well, for us, LMB is actually um, both my mum and my namesake, so Lily Mae Baker, Lisa Marie Baker. So there's a real attachment to identity when it comes to the agency and it's something that I learnt off of you in that attachment piece. There's so many um, incredible elements to it because it is like my baby um, but in another way, you know, it takes a while to be able to grow it and detach from it. But oh I love it because for me, you're not working with, just a product that can't give you real-time feedback so we can actually work and grow collectively so for Mm -hmm. a lot of our talent who have been with us for over seven years since the inception of the agency we've asked them what do you want for us we sit down every single quarter what do you want where do you want to go what excites you what are your income targets what are your you know ideal clients and then from there we can actually create a roadmap to what our talent want as opposed to being, you know, swayed or influenced by what the market's doing. So, that's why I really love it and that's, you know, something that sets my world absolutely on fire.
0: And you know what? It is unheard of, Lily. It really is unheard mm. of in this industry for agents and managers to sit down with their talent and go, "We care about you." And it's the accountability factor. And that's
1: the thing. You've got to be you've got to be very prepared to be accountable when you put something in writing saying we will get you 700K this year. In Mm -hmm. one year's time, if you have not hit that 700K mark, you better be able to explain why. But for us, we can because we work fucking hard and if something doesn't come off, we can be transparent to say, look, we pitched this concept, it almost got there, I reckon another six months if we change this, this and this, that would have come off. So, at least if we have that relationship with our talent, we're able to then stay accountable but then also celebrate the wins with them being like, we
0: fucking did it. We did
1: that. So, yeah, oh. it's um, It's a really great way of working if you're willing to be accountable.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it feels like collaboration rather than someone working for someone else. It's like we're a team, we did this, which feels like really that. inclusive and is very very rare in this industry. So, I admire that immensely. To to women listening to listening to this, young women especially who have a vision and a dream and they're being told they're too young to start something. Mm. I mean, you're not even 30 yet. It blows my mind what you've achieved. What are your words of wisdom? I've got a few
1: really clear points of advice that I would give to my younger self. And this isn't necessarily advice for everyone, but if I was speaking to my younger self, Mm. I would say own the difference. Your difference is essentially going to be your absolute silver bullet in this industry. So for me, our difference was myself and my mum and our willingness to do things that others wouldn't so as I said before I didn't have the years of experience I didn't have the street cred therefore I had to outwork everyone else so it's the grit and resilience and the never giving up attitude which I really believe in our generation is few and far between now we are so wanting everything immediately babe for the first year I didn't have an income So, yes, granted, Mm -hmm. starting young was fantastic. My friends were off travelling overseas. They were going out partying. I was working seven days a week and going to bed at 3 a.m. So a lot of my 20s I did sacrifice. So you need to be willing to sacrifice um, and
0: not be impatient with the result. Go on the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting, Angel, no, but it is. It's this impatience piece, right? It's so common these days. Totally. I, I, I see it, yeah. And it's, it is is really,
1: um, I understand it because I'm impatient. So, <laughs> you know, there are certain things that you're like, oh, fuck, I just need to get there. But then they're your small goals. So, you know, your break-even points, your um, wish list of clients, your, mm. um, you know, the things that you can control yourself. But for me, also, what problem are you trying to solve? So rather than go toe-to-toe with everyone else who's already existing and we were fortunate because we had a first-to-market advantage but first-to-market advantage is also at times a disadvantage because being a trailblazer, being on fire, paving that road, often you get burnt yourself because you come, you know, up against roadblocks, up against things that – nobody else has had to overcome because nobody else mm. has done it yet. Um so for us understanding, you know, your purpose and also what problem you're trying to solve. So we were trying to solve the problem of I hated how agents interacted with models. I hated that you would get an email at the end of the day saying you had to be at that job the next morning. No conversation. Do you want to do it? Do you feel comfortable? You know, are there any elements of this job that you want us to let the client know that you're not comfortable doing and all of those things. So, there was, I mean, babe, I kept a journal when I was working um, in my previous role and I actually had a managerial list of things that I would never do when I was going to start my own business. So, I always knew it was coming but I didn't think it was going to be at 22 and um, it was really just the opportunity opened and and the time was right. So um, yeah, that sort of grit resilience, backing yourself, following your gut, clear point of difference, having purpose, um, but really just giving it a fucking go, giving it It a go. It sounds
0: like you were almost convinced that this was going to happen. It was just a matter of when rather than is this a possibility or not? Like the fact you were already writing things down, you know?
1: And yeah, so funnily enough, and actually, babe, you'll love this because you said this to me, I feel like you've been manifesting for years. I just didn't know what it was. So yeah. I actually had at my desk when I was working for another agency, an LMB management logo. So I didn't know what that was going to be and um, actually a a few of the girls who I'm still friends with, they're like, oh, my God, do you remember when you had an LMB logo on your computer? And I'm like, yes. And we had no idea why I had it there or what it was going to mean. Um, But we sort of turned it into something that obviously what it is now um, and my boss from the previous agency I worked at, she actually came and started working for us and she really helped build the foundations of, um, of the agency, which was phenomenal. But this whole sort of piece of, um, yeah, seeing what's to come before it comes is, you know, a powerful, very powerful it's, thing.
0: It's magic. So even as you're an inverted commas skeptic back in the day, you were making your life happen without realizing consciously what you were doing. Uh, Yeah,
1: so does that make me a skeptic? Maybe I was (laughs) just naive, right? (laughs) Maybe you were
0: naive to it, maybe. I'm really interested in this conversation around grit and resilience Mm. because I feel, yeah, it's vital, especially when you're starting a business out. But also, there's a fear of stepping into that energy for fear of burnout or Mm. hustling too hard. Mm. Do you think grit and resilience is something that comes naturally to some people, or can it be taught?
1: Um, Oh, that's a fantastic question. Can I say both? I think the right environment um, and the right purpose, you can have grit and resilience. There's parts of my life that I am not so resilient and I don't have the same um, absolute tenacity that I do with my work. So grit and resilience, um, I think a lot of it's been instilled by my parents my mum is an unbelievably strong woman um mm. and she's someone I've never ever met someone like my mum's she it has the ability to do things that she does not want to do but still do them to their absolute nth degree she will never leave wow. a job unturned whereas for me I'm big picture I like the quick um sort nice. of turnover but Grit and resilience, it's a really interesting one. Without it, don't even bother going into business because every single day there is an emotional cycle of highs and lows and without the resilience to keep going, you're not going to make it past the first 12 months. It is not easy. So Mm -hmm. for those who say start your own business, it's going to be great, there are some fantastic elements of it. It's fucking hard.
0: Yeah. You, know, you need to know what you're signing up for. Mm. This is really interesting. I didn't realise this was going to be the through line for the conversation, but you obviously have a natural tendency toward grit and resilience you learned from your mother. Mm. And then when you started the business together, you had to function on grit and resilience, your 3am mm. ends and these sorts of things. And then your life changed and you, you had to rely on, I'm assuming, grit, and resilience to get through. Lily, can you take us back to those moments in your life where things took a turn?
1: Absolutely, babe. So, as I was saying to you, I actually really haven't spoken openly about um, my last sort of 14 months. And um, from a professional standpoint, I was fearful it was going to make um, the agency seem weak because obviously I was leading the agency. But to give you a bit of a background, I had a very, very serious accident um, about 14 months ago, late in 2019, um, and I actually tore my spine. So not my... um, vertebrae my actual spinal cord was torn so the fluid that was surrounding my brain which is our brain sits in a bath like fluid it was actually draining out of my spine which was causing my brain to literally be sucked down my spine so it was incredibly incredibly serious um and it took about three weeks for them to diagnose what it was. So I had something called intercranular hypertension. Um, And as soon as it was diagnosed, it was flat on a hospital bed, not even a pillow. Um, I'd been transferred from one hospital to another, which was um, very specific with um, neurosurgery. Um, So from going, you know, working seven days a week, going out, partying like a rock star, working like an absolute you know, trooper to literally not being able to move. I wasn't able to sit up. I wasn't able to shower. Obviously wasn't able to get up to go to the bathroom. So Mm. as a 28-year-old full of pride, full of ego, then getting your just human needs and rights stripped away from you in a split second, it changed my life without fail. I then went on to having four failed operations and, again, each operation, I was actually awake because they were um, in my spine and asking me, can you feel your feet? Can you move your fingers? Can you still talk? So doing one of those, hell, oh. doing three more, knowing what you're going in for, awake with no sedation, it was, you know, it was it was torture. Um, yeah. And after um, my first uh, my first procedure, I actually went into a state of shock. So I don't think people actually know what shock is. Um, no. Shock is when your body is actually uncontrollably convulsing. So I was in um, emergency and the sort of learnings here, how I which I've chatted about with you, um, mm. human kindness still exists is <sighs> something that I learned. So I had mm. nurses who had no idea who I was sitting by my bedside, holding my hand, trying because I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to move after the operation. Um, So holding my hand while my body was absolutely uncontrollably convulsing on a bed, my poor parents, and seeing myself in my parents' eyes as my body. Yeah, absolutely horrendous. Um, Anywho, so I was told after the fourth operation we couldn't go again and it was actually up to my body to heal itself. God only knows how, but. They just said, "Well unfortunately, our hands are tied." So I spent another seven months in bed on my back, um, twenty two hours a day of strict bed rest, so I was allowed to get up to go to the oh toilet God. um and pretty much move from bed to the couch. That is it. I also had a business. My mum had a business that we were still you know trying to run, but the learnings were. The business grew when I was not there. So Mm. my team, and if any of them are listening to this podcast, my fucking God, are they Mm. unbelievable. They took the agency on as their own. They drove it forward through our busiest time, November Spring Racing Carnival, Christmas, Australian Open, um, and they had the business flourishing. So it was a lesson to me that you don't have to hold on so tightly and it actually doesn't revolve around you. So yeah basically yeah it was um, it was a very 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 serious condition and, and I'm still now kind of moving through the motions of trying to build my body back up and some days I'm still exhausted and um, but I tell you what every day putting my feet on the floor and just being able to get out of bed is just an experience that I will never take for granted again ever
0: so when I first heard this story from you, Lily, it took my breath away, and this is the second mm-hmm. time I've heard it, and it's done the same thing. I am just in awe of yes, your resilience, but also the level headedness that you share in sharing this story. To go straight from like this is recent, right? This recently oh, yeah. happened. So last and last six
1: weeks, I've been able to go back to work.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah. See, and the fact that you're like, and these are the learnings and this is why it had to happen. And I've turned my life around. Like you have every right to play victim. Why are you not? Because I have to make sense of it. Otherwise you'd go crazy. So
1: for me, I wasn't allowed to have a pillow. Therefore I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't read a book. I couldn't look at a computer. I didn't know what day it was. I, cause the, um, what I had actually mimics signs of dementia. Cause the back of your brain is, essentially the brain so there was a time during my sort of diagnosis period where they actually asked me what day it was in hospital and my answer to that was 1994 I don't know why I was oh, in that God. year but like I just it was bizarre and there's so many challenges that came with it but I had to make sense of it and I'm so grateful that for the next however many years of my life Everything is put in perspective because to be fair, the work I do on a daily basis, it is not, um, you know, it's PR, it's not ER. So things that we often get caught up on or things that we worry about and things that we, um, you know, stress over, it does not matter. You know, without Mm. your health, without your, you know, your family, without those elements, nothing matters, nothing. Because even, you know, you can't get out of bed to do that thing so it literally doesn't matter but metaphorically it doesn't matter either um because you know when you're in that state and let me tell you when you haven't showered you've not able to get off the bed so you can imagine you're using a bedpan haven't been able to shower on the bed it with an IV, I had IVs in both arms, um, knowing what was ahead, knowing that you had to go back into surgery, knowing that it is going, you know, it has been failing. How do you keep hopeful? Why will the next time be different if the last three times hasn't worked? This is my last opportunity. All of those things, you just have to, in my opinion, otherwise you're done. Where do yeah. you go from there? If you don't have the hope to keep going, you could literally – really get in a dangerous spot
0: Mm, so in those moments of lying on your back literally like literally just lying there what did you cling to for hope where did you find hope I just gave me goosebumps um
1: in short my parents seeing their devastation and we're seeing my reflection through their eyes, it was literally like, this is not about you. This is not about Lily Baker. This is about every single sacrifice your parents have ever made for you. You need to ensure that you are okay. And I'm incredibly close to my parents and I'm you know, I'm a very, very big part of their lives. Um, And so for me, they were my purpose without a doubt. It wasn't work. It wasn't um, me personally. It was absolutely ensuring that I was going to get off that bed and be able to have my parents at ease Um, because, you know, hearing, you know, to give you an example, Mm. I was told in emergency that they've never seen anyone survive, from where my brain was sitting. So, like, my parents are hearing that. For me, I'm like, we fucking got this. For my parents, they're like, that is my baby. That is my child. And that's what you're telling her. Um, So, I'm like, no, I feel fine. And for my mum, like, she's like, you know, you're allowed to be – you know, not okay. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. We're good. I'm fine. Let's keep going. And without that ability to keep going for them, I don't know. I, I don't know where I'd be. I'd probably just be still plodding along. Were you ever scared? Uh, petrified. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I was in unbelievable pain. The pain was indescribable. A sort of pain that. Um, your body literally, so I couldn't even sit in a wheelchair and be pushed because it was postural because my brain was getting pulled down. So um, it was a whole body sensation. If I was to even have any elevation, I would throw up, blackout. Um, literally the pain was just unbelievable. No medication could even, I don't know, touch the sides of what it was. Oh. Um, so I was scared, but the, the thing that scared me was I was so close to being defeated. So it wasn't the fact of dying, the, that, those things that really freaked me out. You know, I would go to bed for months thinking that I wasn't going to wake up in the morning. That was hell. Um, because I would have to have medication to relax my nervous system to actually send me to sleep because I was on a medicinal caffeine to try and increase the the production of CSF fluid in my head. So it was like being on speed and then not being able to move. So you're on speed, like you're essentially like this, and then, you know, you've got to have like, your valiums and your this to bring you back down and then the next morning you've got to go back on this medicinal caffeine and then you like and I'm not a oh. drug taker I don't no. take drugs so that was really intense but the thing that scared me the most was I was so close to just not being able to like just keep going and there's probably twice that I fully broke down and just said, I actually can't I can't do this Um, and it was when my body just was not healing. I just didn't understand what I was doing wrong, why it wasn't healing, you know, and it wasn't until I changed my mindset that all of a sudden things started happening.
0: Can you explain how that shift came about and what you started doing differently?
1: Your whole values get shook when the medical profession fails you. And I say that with respect again because I think there's such a place for Western medicine, you know, you have a car accident, they sew you up, great. For what I have been through, it wasn't until I met a man called Anatoly and I'm actually probably going to regret saying his name because I'm so protective. I'm like, oh, he's a magician. Um, And he started saying to me, you need to believe that your body can heal because I had such bad PTSD um, and trauma lives obviously in a part of your brain. So I was still standing up and the change in pressure from sitting to standing, bang, I'd get the intense pain again. And so my whole body would then shut down again. Um, So it was like the mental getting well as well as the actually physically healing the tear. So I still have fluid sitting between my middle neck and my mid torso in my spine where it shouldn't be sitting. So that's not a dangerous thing, but it is still, you know, a painful thing. And Western medicine was like, soz, soz, you know, it is what it is. Eventually it will get reabsorbed. Whereas this absolute angel, Anatoly, he's like, no, we're going to do all these weird and wonderful things to try and move the fluid to relieve your pain, to, actually heal your body once and for all. Here's where the skeptic was the converted. It was actually a friend said, you need to get a reading. And it was a man named Omar who said, you've actually got in touch with me to meet this man, Anatoly. Um, and it was through that, that I, I met him. And going to him the first time, I actually took my PA with me and made him sit in the room. And he's like, darling, is Russian. Take off your, take off your top. And I was like, I haven't had anyone touch my point? body. No, totally. I'm like, look, I'm fucking here for it. But like, I haven't had anyone touch my body in months, it, you know, months and months and months and months. And he started, I said, don't touch my neck. Don't don't touch my back. Don't, you know, and he's like, you need to relax. There is no flow going through your spine. That is why it cannot heal. Your body is in such a state of shock. You actually have got no flow up and down your spine. Therefore, you cannot have any of the nutrients, the oxygen, the the necessary things to heal the tear. Um, So he started giving me homework and he made me sit for one hour, 60 minutes. Let me tell you, 60 minutes when you're sitting saying one particular mantra. So he made me do that every week. The first mantra was um, I have a fear of neck manipulation. So I had to say that over and over for 60 minutes. And then went back to him the next week and he was able to touch my neck. The next time was um, I have a fear of something else. 60 minutes I had to sit and say this mantra and then the next week he was able to touch another part of my body. And then it was just slowly that he was able to start doing acupuncture. He's been putting these hot discs up and down my spine. He's – he had his hands in my mouth, he's had his hands in areas that you just don't even fucking want to know about. But then all of a sudden I was sitting, I was standing, I was going to work, and it was a fucking miracle, really. He's wow. he's, he's
0: unbelievable. Okay, but, yeah, so it this was, was, your first, it was your first ever experience with anything holistic, right? Yep, completely. And that changed everything for you? Everything. Babe, it saved my life. It yeah. literally saved my life. It,
1: yeah. I don't know how to, and I can't talk about it because I don't know how to do it justice. So I actually don't know how to tell my friends or tell, I only, I was seeing this man behind my mum's back because I was like, I don't know how to even tell you that I am so, I was at a point where I actually had nothing left but to surrender to what was. So it was the thing of getting to the point where you've, you've literally given up, in a positive way, because I'm not holding on so tightly anymore, and my body was able to just do what it was born to fucking do. We're we're born to heal, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I was blocking it in every every way possible—physically, mentally, emotionally. Everything was very blocked, so he of open that up.
0: I also know in this experience you came across the teachings of Dr. Joe Dispenza, who had a very similar experience to you, right? I Were there did. things that you learned from him in reading his his work that really helped you on your path?
1: I actually was really um, confused initially by mm-hmm. by it. Um, I didn't understand, and this is for me. I can get quite easily frustrated if I can't master something. Um, so I was like, but how are you talking to your body? How are you visualizing it? How are you seeing your, you know, your back? So for me, it was my spine and what I would visualize in my spine would be a bandage wrapping around my spine. But every time the bandage would be bloody and I'm like, I don't want a bloody bandage. I want a clean bandage. So I couldn't control my mind enough mm. to have the visualization be what I wanted it to be. Mm. So while I had so much admiration for what he did and I was so, sceptical, but believed it, I couldn't do it properly for myself. Um, So there was an element of frustration, confusion for me um, with that. And then it wasn't until I actually um, met Anatoly, met you, and started putting some of these tools into place that I now have got the clarity and ability to do what I need to do. Um, mm. And yeah, it's it's having and for me, it's having practical tools. I need that.
0: Double Taurus in the house. I'd love to know your full natal chart. Have you ever had a natal chart reading? I don't even know what that is, babe. Although I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to get you one, and we'll reconvene. It's perfect. <laughs> so- Can you share where your body's at now and what is day-to-day life? Because I know what you're like, Lily. We've only known each other a short time, but you you suck it up and you get on with it because you know you've had it worse. But can you speak honestly and frankly as to what you're experiencing at the moment?
1: Yeah. Um, So as I said, I still have fluid in a part of my spine that it shouldn't be. My brain is still slightly sagging, um, but I am... I'm going to say 80% of the way there, um, which is amazing because I was mm-hmm. negative 100. So we got to zero, which was sitting, and now we're at about 80. So I'm back to doing clinical Pilates with a physio, which is unbelievable. And feeling your body move when you have not moved in 14 months is everything. It's like, I can't even, there's no words. There's no words. I can't imagine. Um, but I'm still in pain. I, um, sometimes, you know, still suffer from, um, these headaches when I stand up too quickly, which often subside, but for the most part, I'm fucking great. Um, still Mm -hmm. no drinking, um, you know, still not able to lift anything heavier than five kilos, uh, those sort of bits. But to be honest, it doesn't even rate, given that I can actually sit here, have a conversation with you, clarity of mind, you know, those type of things obviously outweigh the kind of the last little hang on is of, this, um, of this. So the, the the real hero of the day is there are no long-term side effects once the tear fully heals. So um, with, you know, that those signs of like it literally you forget who the fuck you are if you let it get bad enough there's no long term issues there, which is fantastic. So I've just yeah, you gotta look at the positives.
0: Oh girl, you're so inspiring to me. If you had the chance, would you remove that this part of your life and do it differently? Like would you avoid the accident?
1: I would take it away from my parents. I would not ever want them to have gone through the trauma and the distress that they had. I would never I wouldn't take away from myself. I'm so grateful um, as to the experience I have had in the last 14 months because it has changed me in ways I didn't know was possible. I don't give a fuck what someone thinks about my physical appearance, my body, my, um, you know, ability to do things. It's taken away a lot of fear for me. So Mm. uh, fear and, and really irrational, stupid fears. I'm currently single, boys, if anyone's listening.
0: (laughs) I mean, we've got a bloody catch here, ladies and gentlemen. Um,
1: But, you know, I am fine. I am more than fine. I have got such a fucking amazing life. I don't need the house, the car, this, the that. Like, I've got me and my body has been through pure hell. It's travelled there. It's on its way back. So everything else is irrelevant. And I'm so happy that I have got that for me, sorry, with me for the rest of my life. And I actually, um, it was a female neurosurgeon who said it to me. She's like, darling, you are way too young to have experienced this, but what you have experienced, 99% of people will never experience in a lifetime. So be grateful that you have the 1% experience that so many others will never have. So for me, I'm like, yeah, okay. Mm, mm, I've got that. And no one can take it away from me. So no. it's you know, as much as I don't think a lot of people would have been able to get through it, to be honest. I agree I'm just with you. Say that.
0: No, I agree with you. I, I, I honestly hear your story and think, what would I be like in this that situation? And I feel like the only thing that would potentially get me through it would be some semblance of faith. And and this was actually my next question for you. We hear so often of people who have near death experiences and they find God or they find spirituality, they find something. Did you have any sorts of experiences like that where you were like, did you have your life flash before your eyes, any of those sorts of things? Yeah. Um, the
1: spirituality piece, 100%. So I was out of answers. And when you're told that is it, it's like, no, no, that can't be it because I'm not well. And like, I need someone to help me and I'm not used to being weak and I'm not used to not having a solution. And how can you let me go home like this? Like, how can you allow me to go about my business and just be, be on my back and just leave me so it was like this bizarre loss of confidence in the medical profession in a way but then this unbelievable found of the human ability to survive so Uh it's that thing of like my body just want I'm like I'm here okay you've only got your fucking self let's do this and it was like relying yeah just relying solely on yourself and then this spirituality thing and I don't know I've actually never told anyone this because it really freaks me out so I'm gonna tell you and I hope it's not negative but there was this fucking crow black Mm. crow Mm. that would sit outside my room every fucking day and crow and I'm scared of crows so I'm like is this a death omen am I going to die this crow every single day, and I would say to my mum, "You needed to. I need to change rooms. We need to sell the house. There's a crow." And mum goes, <laughs> like, "You're insane. What are you talking about?" And then I started searching, you know, things to do with like crows, and then I kept on seeing all these angel numbers, and everywhere mm-hmm. I would go was these angel numbers, feathers, butterflies. Or I'm like. What the hell is going on? I'm like, oh, I'm bored. It's because I'm bored. I'm not doing anything else. And I'm seeing these things for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, no, I'm praying every night that I get well and I feel like they're telling me that we hear you and you are going to be okay. So, like, that whole journey was so pivotal in my life and then when I was telling it was actually that I was telling Tegan I'm like babe I see these numbers everywhere it's so crazy and she's like oh my god no <laughs> it's not crazy this <laughs> is
0: it you're living it you're doing it and then yeah. yeah without even trying and with crows I will say just for the sake of the listeners and I'm sure you you realize this too Lily we can get scared of crows and birds in general but birds visit us as an animal sign um they're the closest to the divine they've got wings right they fly they're like like angels so when a bird comes and visits you it is a very positive omen which I'm sure you've realized now
1: now I was terrified for a while but babe what people don't tell you when you hit a point of giving up is like there's this like heart-wrenching like whole physical thing of like when you like when you and I'm not a religious person but at night I would fucking pray that I would wake up in the morning and just give it another go the next day like I'm not ready for this to be and I would be in so much fucking pain I can't even and I wouldn't couldn't even make sense of what I was saying but I'm like please heal 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 and um it's that that I will forever now I'm converted. The skeptic yeah. has been converted.
0: She's, I love this. Yeah, and, and the skeptic's continuing her journey. So can you share what's next for you in this line of this spirituality and this path that you've embarked on?
1: Absolutely. So to um, give it a bit of context, um, as we said, beautiful Tegan Martin put me in touch with um, Holly and it was exactly at the right time um, for the induction to Holly's MM program, which um, is manifestation of magic. And as Holly said, it's actually so much more than that, which it is. Um, and for me, it's about my next sort of journey is this whole feminine piece. And Holly and I said, mm-hmm. I am mask energy. <laughs> and it's put me in great stead. It's it's oh, given yeah. me the life that I've got now. Um, and, you know, I've got an incredible business. I've got, you know, house of all the tangible things that I want. But I know that this sort of feminine person needs some space now. So for me, it's kind of honing in on that and being unapologetic about it. Because usually the weakness scares me. Um, and, you know, I've my previous boyfriend, who is the most beautiful man alive, I left no room for him to be masked. I was like, oh, baby, this is my fucking world and you're (laughs) living in it. And he just had to take on the role of the femme. So I've always said, like, I need an alpha. I need an alpha male. But I can't have an alpha if I'm also an alpha. So for me, mm, I need to sort of just, like, allow that. I still need a strong man. That's for fucking sure. But I need to. And I like that feminine piece. It's just that I don't really have an opportunity to do it because I'm working constantly. So it's working less balance more for me is the next phase. And yeah. hopefully through um, through the program and what we're doing together, that's very much where I want to focus a lot of my time and attention.
0: It's music to my ears hearing you say that, Lily, because I know like you've had to be in your mask. And who would have even thought, can I say, seven weeks ago that you'd be here abbreviating mask and femme oh. and talking about
1: Babe, I didn't even know. I just thought literally... I just was like, oh, I've just got this bizarre personality where I've, you know, such a strong personality, but I didn't even know that I could sort of get into this, like, vulnerable spot until, yeah. as you know, going down this path and actually looking into, you know, certain things and, um, like, allowing yourself to kind of feel the feels, whereas usually I'm like, oh, no time to feel that, only mm. time to do this, but I'm like, mm. oh, wow, there's a whole nother world out
0: there, a whole other world. So inspiring watching you be so open to change from someone who has admittedly mm-hmm. said in the in the like in the past you'd be like nah that's not for me this is the way I do things and that mm-hmm. open mindedness that obviously has come alongside your life experiences and I just want to make it clear to everyone listening to this the reason that this podcast is actually in your ear holes right now is that mm-hmm. Lily gave me a massive kick up the bum she, she's literally sends me emails going Okay, hey, Holly here is your timeline this is when you need to Get these interviews locked in, and she's only doing it because, like, you believe in me, and you've got such a beautiful heart, Lily. And I just want to make that apparent to everyone listening to this because yeah. you, you know, people can see you, and I'm certain that they do from the outside and go, "She's a boss. She's so resilient. She's so tough. She's mm. got these incredible clients and brands, and she's killing it." Which absolutely, but also, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a softie in there as well. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And to be
1: honest. Um, it wasn't until starting LMB that I had to become this, and do you know what had to become, I know everything's a choice, but I did have to become a real hard ass. Um, but those who know me and actually my best, um, one of my best friends, uh, his name's Elliot. He's like, you have got a split personality. You are the neediest, most like, Oh, I like want to cuddle and whatever. As like, you know, Lily, the off-duty person, but then I'm so, so cutthroat when it comes to Lily, the business person. Um, so I have got a heart that is so easily hurt, which is why mm-hmm. I don't allow it to be a lot of the time. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm also like I really do believe in human kindness and I am massive about giving without... Um, the expectation to receive back. So I hate Hmm. that thing of like, oh no, but I did that for you. So like, what are you going to do for me? It's like, no, 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 that's not it. Yeah. I'm giving to you purely for the fact that either you're in need or I know it's going to better your experience or um, just an element of selflessness. And I think there's, again, like what we're saying with the lack of resilience, there's also a lack of human kindness now. And just, Mm. you know, seeing someone in the street being like, are you okay? Can I help you? Because you are able to, and I can't do my supermarket shopping myself. So like, Mm -hmm. I can't carry my own groceries. So I know that maybe I can't physically help you, but if I can do something to help you in your journey, so hopefully with the podcast, that's my expertise. So I know that If I create some sort of cheat sheet for you, some sort of structure for you to follow, some sort of timeline, it will help you because, you know, it's helped countless of our talent for years and years and years. Um, So, yeah, I think... Um, there is a big
0: heart underneath this
1: hard shell.
0: I can vouch for that, Mm. beautiful. And it's a generosity. And to me, exactly what you just spoke to, that is being a light leader or that is being love in the world. It's not necessarily what you do to make money, right? We get so caught up in that. And yes, we can Mm. love that. And yes, that can be part of it. But when you are just giving generously from a place of, I am here to serve and to help, Mm. like that, Right there is is why we exist, human kindness. Mm. So I think that that's and a beautiful way. Yeah, it mm. does. Well, you've experienced it firsthand mm. through, through all you've been through. Mm. How are you feeling having just had an interview and shared your story when you are so often the person curating everybody else's dreams and stories? How does this feel for you?
1: I know. Well, funnily enough, the man who put me in touch with – um with Anatoly, his name is Omar. He's like, You need to share your story to help others heal. I really believe that, you know, that's the path for you. And then you said a similar thing to me like, I feel like your story is a story that will help someone heal. So I don't think of this as me doing this for me. I sincerely hope through my experience and my intense struggle um, and you know, journey that hopefully this can help someone else. But it feels so good to be able to be human and be vulnerable Mm. and be speaking about something that nobody has really heard about. And people, you know, clients of ours are like, where's Lil? And I would say, say I'm on holiday or say I'm at a meeting or say I'm somewhere, but just do not say I'm sick. Whatever you do, don't wow. fucking tell them I'm sick. So people were like, what? You've been in hospital? Like, we thought you were just on away. Like, we had no idea. We thought you'd just step back from the business. Like, um, and that went on for 12 months. And wow. even our talent had no idea what was going on. So we had some talent who left during my sickness. And that was a fucking massive shake-up for me. But I still... Being the bull, I'm like, no, do not tell them that I'm in a weak and vulnerable position. Don't tell them that, you know, I'm the limping gazelle. I don't want that, you know, I don't want that as a, as a weakness of the agency. So it feels so good being on the other side, being able to be open and speaking about it, really does.
0: Well, it's inspired me to no end and I know that this conversation yeah, will inspire thanks, so many people. Lil, thank you so much for jumping on mm-hmm. with me thank and for, for encouraging me. Going. I just adore you. Oh, to wrap things up. Oh, thanks, Gal. To wrap things up, is there any last words, are there any last words that you have to share from either your heart or your intuition that you just like to share in this moment?
1: Um. Yeah, for me there is always a choice and even in times where you feel like there isn't a choice the choice can often be you know getting up in the morning calling a friend um I just hope anyone listening to this knows that even when you think there is nothing more that can be done or it is over or it's, you know, your absolute wits end, through some miraculous, something always will prevail and I just hope that, you know, people can find the grit and resilience to try and get through anything that life kind of throws at them and, um, yeah, I think once you're on the other side, there's an enlightenment and a... um, you know, an element of freedom that that you get once you've been through a a traumatic experience. So it's not all in those dark days, know that there are lighter days to come.
0: Lily, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on Soul Talk. Thank you, beautiful. Thanks for having me. How's that for episode one of Soul Talk? (laughs) Oh my goodness. It doesn't matter how many times I hear Lily's story, I'm always left feeling inspired and a level of speechless as well. It just blows my mind when we're able to hear stories of resilience and tenacity and people who have every reason under the sun to play inverted commas victim, but find hope faith and a connection with spirit and soul through those experiences. And for me, that's what Lily's story illustrates. You may see a version of somebody on the outside and make up stories about them and their life, but how often do we actually sit and listen to the story beneath the surface? How often are we hearing the tales of the people that we walk past in the street or that we're sitting next to when we're having a coffee, or that we're sitting next to on public transport. And that for me is the premise of Soul Talk. Yes, you will hear in some episodes from familiar faces, but even more, you're going to be hearing from people from all walks of life, all backgrounds, all life experiences, their take on their connection with soul, with spirit, and with humanity. Because spirituality, in my opinion, isn't about pedestalling anyone or putting anyone as a more knowing figure than others. If we really take the time to sit and to listen, to really listen, what we'll find is there are teachings and there is wisdom in all of us. And that is what Soul Talk is all about. Thank you for listening to the first episode. And I can't wait to drop in with many more stories very, very soon. You've been listening to Soul Talk with Holly as a Party. Enjoyed today's ep? Remember to share, subscribe, and leave a little rating if you like what you heard. And join us over on Facebook. Just search Soul Talk with Holly as a Party. Until next time.